speak loudly into the Microsoft? Yes. Do I sound different? Uh, about the same. Good. Okay, Google. When's the Steelers play? The Steelers will take on the Broncos on Sunday at 4.40 p.m. <laughs> there you go. Say, told you it worked. Beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> that was my favorite one. Oh, and I did a survey today. Really? Yeah. Uh, is that your subway survey? Yep. Yep. I see you used uh, some of your 4G internet today. Yes, but I did remember to turn it off this time. You did remember to turn it off. There you go. Wow, so that AMP HTML, it says it doesn't allow author written JavaScript. Author in JavaScript? Author written JavaScript. So I'm assuming it means you can't, you don't have the script tag that you can just yeah. stuff script in. Yeah, it eliminates a lot of tags. Uh, most notably, form and input. Ooh. So I'm like, what is this good for? <laughs> Probably like brochureware sites. It's talking about images and how it can do the the uh, re- dynamic resizing and stuff if yeah. you use their server. So maybe it's something to do with more of a pure content website. <laughs> Resources such as images or ads should only be downloaded if they're likely to be seen by the user. Which is a good thing that should just be built into the uh, intelligence of browsers anyway. Yes, you would think. Uh, how do you type the fancy lightning bolt symbol? Is it even on the keyboard? No. Although you can actually spell out amp, though. Ooh, okay. Like, it'll show you, like, further down. Okay. We have a title, we have some meta stuff. So there is a style tag, but it's an AMP custom. So that's must be what they're talking about. You can restrict stuff. No, no, that's style, not script. No, there's a script tag. So they have something going on there. Well, it's a JSON type. Well, I'm not familiar with what that means, all that. So is that calling a third-party library or doing some kind of a magic? Is it giving it data? Mm-hmm. Now, what's really suspicious is the body opacity zero which means it's all invisible. So it's hiding something there? Like, supposedly until the document loads, I guess. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and then it has uh, opacities one there. In the no script. That's the first time I've seen someone use a non-typable character and say, like, hey, this is part of our language. <laughs> <laughs> to itself. So if you go to load the uh, the AMP HTML page and be like, oh, I want the normal HTML version, you click it, then it's going to take you back to itself. So if you have like a bot that only wants the HTML and then you click, keep clicking the <laughs> the HTML. Link. Well, that's canon- it's a canonical URL. So like if if a certain page can be or no, if a certain page is made available under multiple URLs, the canonical one is the one that's like. You know, if you need a URL to refer to this page, the canonical one is the Could one you use. use. Okay. So it normally wouldn't be used for crawling or something then. Right. Although I suppose, uh, you know, web bo- you know, crawlers would probably use it in that case. But. Infinite crawl. Initial scale. I don't know what the viewport thing is. Device width. Oh, so you're saying what you're... Your expected widths are? Um, that's at the uh, 
Yeah, the viewport uh, is what basically enables responsive design. So, like, if you ever pulled up a web page on your phone and everything's, like, microscopic, yes. it did not have that viewport tag. Uh-huh. Oh, GPU rasterization. So this is, wow, this is what my blog looks like without responsive design, according to Firefox. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if I uncheck it, it looks more like this. So you have CSS in there that's uh, specifically for mobile devices, or it's just scaling on the phone? It's, uh, actually, we can probably, I can probably explain this on the show, but yeah, yeah CSS is a, a big part of it. There we go. That's probably a good 30 minutes of the show for us. <laughs> we can talk about coding. That's what Yeah. Show tags have been changed. Yep. So tag equivalent tags. Oh, right, because they do custom image processing, so they might want uh, to have a custom tag. I don't even know what base does. Me neither. Wait, they have iframes? Yeah. Frames. No. Okay. Yeah, those two bother me the most. Those, yeah. Notably, button element is allowed. So it looks like they've taken all the things they think could be misused and abused and tried to say, okay, fine, we're just not going to let you use any of them. Pretty much. So it seems like its targeted use is probably more limited to be certain websites where you must have good performance. Yeah, like brochureware or something. Brochure, where meaning like websites that just display information yeah. about a business. The dual EC algorithm. This isn't with the NSA introducing an algorithm into it. They think that it used th- to be secure, but someone changed it. I, th- I think we might have actually talked about dual EC DRBG or something before, but uh, yeah, it's I, I'm. Like one hundred percent sure that we've discussed that before on the show. Um, I'm not exactly sure why it's insecure, but it is. Like as a standard, not as a specific implementation. Okay, as a standard. Oh, so apparently the government stamped approval on it, the algorithm, and they had actually kind of like designed it to be weak on purpose. Yeah. Um, okay, so in 2013, the New York Times reported that documents in their possession but never released appeared to confirm the backdoor was real and had been deliberately inserted by the NSA as part of the Bull Run program. That's why we talked about it. This is NSA. Hi, NSA! Hi, NSA! Wait, we're not using Skype? Guess not, so (laughs) apparently they aren't listening. I mean, it actually sounds like you're here today. Kinda does. Wait, can uh, can you adjust your Microsoft there a little bit? In just a second. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> this is important because he, the one guy doesn't think it actually was a backdoor. He's like... In part because the algorithm algorithm is so badly done. December 2013, Reuters reports on the existence of a $10 million deal between RSA and NSA to set dual EC as a default uh, random number generator in B-safe. December 2013, RSA security post statements categorically denying such. 
that it entered into a secret contract, probably according to the clause in said contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Interesting, Microsoft uh, used their required... They included that random number generator in Vista, but they didn't make it uh, default. Yeah. Testing. Goodbye, XP. There. Except the volume on Windows is way down for some reason. I love how this is the original slide from that, uh, with the way back when at the conference, and they uh, said, "What are we not saying?" And an IST intentionally put a backdoor in this. Then down there they said, "And we do not know if the algorithm designer knew this before." And they're like trying to really cover themselves. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Okay, so did you add any new ones on it besides the last one still? Okay. Point at the responsive features of Andrew Bailey. Uh, I added a bunch of YouTube videos, but they're all uh, like transmission. Huh? Sounds like you're ready to do transmission work? No. Are you watching manual or auto? Uh, I think the middle two are uh, is the uh, automatic teardown. Uh-huh. Uh, the last one is just like the inside of a manual transmission. Oh, okay. And the first one's like a documentary of what's the principles behind all of this. Ah, from like the 50s. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> really interesting. I actually have a transmission home I want to someday rebuild. <laughs> someday. My brother's a mechanic, though, so he'd probably help me if I... It's like if you ask him to help, he probably won't help. But if you, like, get it on a table and, like, start taking screws apart, he'll probably come by and start helping. <laughs> <sighs> Raspberry? Yeah, I didn't get anything. It's better if anything new is happening. I can't recall anything happening. Um, Although I did look at the touchscreen on Amazon. I think it's still going for like 80 bucks. 80 bucks? Wow. So apparently they updated the Raspberry Pi article on Wikipedia. Uh, Raspberry Pi Zero over Ethernet. Whoa, you can power it? Nice. Oh, there was a Skylake bug, too. Intel Skylake bug causes PCs to freeze during complex workloads. Hmm. They ever catch that one? Uh, really heavy math. <laughs> Show you how to power a Raspberry Pi Zero over an Ethernet cable. Since Ethernet plugs only use half the pins, we can use the other half for simultaneous power. It's meant to be used with power over Ethernet compatible network now, so you can power it directly without any batteries or USB to plug it in. You have both power and lead Raspberry Pi Zero. Make sure it's compatible 12 volts and 5 volts. Step down couple of the input voltage depends on network cables. You should output 5 volts. Two times micro unit wires. They have uh, uh, the Lawrence School District. I used to work for them like in the summer times, and they had routers that would power over Ethernet. Yeah, a lot of uh, like large scale 
uh, Wi-Fi uh, deployments, yeah. like the access points are often power over Ethernet. That makes sense. I don't know how you, what kind of a device you use on the source, and I guess you must have some fancy switch that can power them. Yeah, although I've heard that they naturally run quite hot. Snipping pins and bending them out of the way. Now need to create micro USB broken power and the need to get them to work on the pipe to short the idea. Wow, that's tiny. Just, just the microwave. Desolder the USB socket from the step down core. Now solder everything together and complete the circuit. Add some electrical to the part so they don't short on even put them inside again. I made a simple one out of cardboard. You'd think that it might just go through the GPIO pins though. In the power. Holy cow. Now log into the pipe remotely as a headless. Pretty awesome. So, does he do a diagram? Would have been nice to have a diagram. Oh. Uh-huh. Casing. Yeah, that is way too involved for me. It's a lot of soldering circuit. So if I understand it, he's going from the Ethernet adapter over to the USB step-down converter thing, then he plugs in the USB from the step-down converter yeah. down into, into uh, back pie. to the Pi again. Yeah. So I think he had two... Two uh, plugs into the Pi, I think, on back there. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, so one, one for the power, then one for the data from the Ethernet. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so one thing I did realize a uh, a good thing, a sort of good use for very tiny computers, huh? is that you can stick them anywhere. You can stick them anywhere. And you can also, with that, you could load encryption keys on them so that like, when another machine boots... It'll. It could go out and get, say, the encryption key for the primary hard drive from this like little Raspberry Pi or something. That's that's, true. that's hidden, like I don't know, like under a sink or something, so that you know if someone were to come in and you know, granted this would be useful against adversaries who would not freeze your RAM before <laughs> before true. removing your systems. <laughs> Might be a little bit a little bit beyond the technical capabilities of most thieves though yes so like for instance they could come in and like take my server here yes which would buy you know how should i say um which would implicitly mean that they would have to unplug it yes thereby you know shutting it off and releasing destroying the keys in the memory yes but but the keys would exist not there. They would yes. be hidden somewhere. It would be bricked. Th- that is true, because you could even stick it on your network someplace and just be Raspberry Pi and whatnot, but people wouldn't really know well, and, its function. And, and connected to Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So you could... Oh, that's true. It so like all physically you, connected. Yeah. yeah, so all you would really need is like an electrical outlet somewhere. So you just have an internal web server running, and it says, get me my keys, and it would just get me my keys. Yeah, and... Uh, like you could furthermore, uh, like once the other machine has booted, tell it to shut down. Oh, the Pi thing. Yeah. But how are you gonna get the keys back when you uh, want it them again next time? Uh, simply do a power cycle. So how do you cycle the power? Well, this this, this also this also assumes that you know like the only reason you would have to you know reboot it would be a power outage but okay then. so in other words it's powered off and then when you want it you just go over the kitchen and flip your your stove light on and off <laughs> <laughs> dad why do you always turn the stove light on for you're gonna use the internet <laughs> 
I can see. Although, head. although, although, mentioning it right now, you would kind of need it almost if you. Well, I mean, kernel updates in theory are uh, you know like all live now. In you theory, could, yes. You could you know do you know replace your kernel without having to reboot. Uh, but then, you know, other hardware changes. I think shutting off removes the convenience. And if that's the case, you may as well just have a flash drive you plug in and hot live boot off of. And that live boot then decrypts your hard drive and continues on with the boot and you unplug the flash drive. Yeah. But the idea of having a hidden computer with the keys is a cool idea, though. Yeah. I'm going to do, like, a wireless remote webcam chain thingy. Like, figure out a system so you can do, like solar panels and like a battery in there and so it can run it has a wi-fi so it can connect to a network and then it can be re- a repeater so it can repeat signals to other pies in the area right so you can make a grid of repeaters that all connect to each other that are all on the solar powered battery thingy and then you can have like webcams and be taking pictures from time to time and uploading to some place out on the internet at a terribly slow data rate, considering the fact that all the pies are working together <laughs> in a weird daisy chain. Um, let's see. The only problem with that is I have yet to come across a USB battery that can both charge and give power at the same time. You'd have to come up with some solution. I mean, I don't know if you get something like a deep cycle battery or a car battery, if it's just as easy as just to stick it on there yeah ooh raspberry pi 4k magic mirror <laughs> okay <coughs> didn't know the pi could handle 4k okay behind a mirror painful and time consuming <laughs> nice garage yeah, playing woodworking and computer science. <laughs> hmm. So, I'm just trying to visualize. So, you put a TV screen behind a mirror. And yeah. Currently, that shines through. Must be a partially uh, silvered mirror or something. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Or, or else you get a really glossy TV. Yes, that you could like too. If it was like actually looked like a good mirror until you open it up, that would be kind of neat. <laughs> I think the this uh, node one looks like an interesting one. Do you think? Uh, yeah, it's not something that I would do, but I mean, it's an interesting concept. You could probably do that with any of the Raspberry Pis. Actually, you're not restricted to them. Well, it would probably. It might actually be easier. There might be like power over Ethernet to USB adapters, maybe. So the trick with that would be uh, you've got, I think, only one port on your Raspberry Pi can actually... Oh, yeah, there, see, that would work there. Because now you can unplug from that. Ha! No soldering. $100? Wow. See, that's actually a better idea because then you can, you're still using up two, uh, two USB ports on the Pi... But they have effectively done the soldering for you now. That's actually the better solution and a simple plug-in solution. Without a solder gun. But but this only provides the power. There's no data here. So you just need one that does both. That concept, though, works. 
Okay, fine. You're not playing nice with JavaScript. Either that over power lines. No, you could really make your own box that looks like that. Has a USB port in the back that says to a Pi data port and to Pi power port or something. Power over the internet injector. Those things are kind of expensive, aren't they? Well, this one's 25 bucks. Splitter. Power plus data in. Hmm. LAN out. DC out. So it's possible. Yeah. What about the shelf parts that do better? Oh, my. So then, in theory, you just need whatever that is to USB. Yeah. Which would work. Maybe more, slightly more uh, soldering required. Oh, Huh. Type M barrel 5 volt That's, DC. It looks like about what you need. Uh, let's see. Sort of looks. Yeah. Plug that in and then get an adapter down to the whatever it's called A or mini B or whatnot. Sounds like it'd be good to go. Yeah. No soldering required. Which is awesome. Oh, I did not read that one. I wanted to read that one. What? The Sky Lake. And I think I have everything else read. So we would be good to, good to go whenever they're enough to that. Um, I'm just going to do some Prime 95. Yeah, how about LOL Intel? cool that they can update the software the processor by a BIOS update. So it's like Intel has learned the lesson on updates and such, because there's reference... Oh, I used to talk in the show. Well, and then, I uh, guess you really don't have to read it too hard, but uh, yeah, some CPUs are bending. So, like, if you know what an Intel CPU looks like these days... Uh-huh. Uh, this is like Haswell and pretty much everything before it, and this is uh, Skylake, which is their so newest one. See how thin that is? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, like, the idea is that uh, the weight or pressure of the CPU cooler mm. is causing it to bend when it shifts around. Wow. That's so. pretty crazy. You would think the size of the chip... Maybe they're just trying to get things closer circuit-wise, and this, so the chip or, size is going to Or maybe cost reductions or something. <laughs> I'm going to make the chip smaller. <laughs> but, uh, um, like, apparently the, like, everything about the heatsink specifications stayed the same for both of these uh, series of CPUs. But it clearly is not the same. Yeah, so they're thinking that, you know, maybe some some manufacturers, like, maybe exceeded that leeway for the previous chips... But for Skylake, like, even though it's the same, like, the tolerance isn't yeah. that great. That could be. So, who's doing the intro this week? I forget who did it last time. Uh, yeah, you did it, because I did the, uh, the boot. Okay. January. Oh, the April Fool's one will be coming up soon. Just a few more months, though. I always I want to change up you know big week to everyone listening, um, big year. Yeah, why don't we do that? Also, uh, and I'm this. 
Oh crap, I still don't have a label track on this. I need to get used to that. <sighs> Alright, so, uh, vaguely ready? Yes. Ha, <laughs> that was like perfect. Oh wait, wait, someone might have been first. Maybe? Yeah. Eh, Who cares? It's pretty close. So uh, I guess this, now is the time I talk about Fallout Four spoilers. So if you want to, you know, not have that spoiled, uh, exit the podcast. You really don't care for Fallout Four spoilers, do you? I'm not so likely to be playing the game since I play tanks. Yes, as mentioned. So uh, the first part of the game, uh, you're uh, so like I think I might have told you this that uh you know it starts immediately before the bombs drop okay yes yes yes. and the game opens with you you know after you do the character creation of you running towards this vault okay you get down into it and then they freeze you like cryogenically stasis you know Uh freeze you so this is like a a thing you you agreed to do or they just make you do no it's it's all part of the uh vault program where the vaults were never meant to actually save anyone. Okay. The vast majority of them uh, were there to just do social experiments and other kinds of experiments okay. on, like, groups of isolated people. So this one happens to, you know, freeze everyone. So okay. uh, at some point, you're thawed out just enough to see your wife shot and your kid napped. Napped as in someone stolen. Okay. As kidnapped. Kidnapped, okay. Uh, which, for some reason, you were refroze and then thawed out again. Okay. At that point, you realize 210 years have gone by, and you really don't have any kind of recollection of when your kid was taken, just that it was happened a long time ago, and, oh, everyone here is dead. Like, the life support totally failed. Okay. Uh, so... You get out, and where did my kid go? And it's still blasted out radiation everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully, my robot butler still is still around after all this time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so this is set around Boston. So there is a organization called the Institute. So that's like sort of like analogous to MIT. Okay. But... Uh, like, no one knows where they are. Uh, they apparently have these synthetic humans that come out from time to time, kill people, and take their place. Okay. Sounds you know, like Star Trek. Yeah. So, you know, no one really cares that someone went missing because, oh, the Institute took them or something. And they're kind of concerned about being replaced by one of these synths. So, uh, after a while, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel... Uh, they've sent, like, some expeditions up here to this area. And at some point, like, they arrive with a huge airship. You know, so then at that point, they start sending helicopters all over the place. But, uh, you know, at that point, I'm like, hey, they seem to have pretty good toys. And they seem to be a lot friendlier than the Institute. So they seem like good guys. So, yeah, why not? So I join up. Um... So then, with their help, uh, no, not with their help, uh, beforehand, like, I, uh, I needed to relive the memory of the guy who shot my wife and took my kid. Okay. Um, but at that point, I had already killed the guy. Okay. So, like, thankfully, like, I had a piece of his brain or something around with me. That's handy. Yeah. 
So uh, with that, I relive his memory and find out that the Institute, the way they get people and synths in and out, mm-hmm. is that they teleport. Okay. Which makes sense because no one's found the entrance to this place. Sure, there's like some ruins over there, but no one's like actually found a way in. And like, meanwhile, I'm like, okay, so like, where are they? If they're in space, that means they can go anywhere on Earth. They haven't. Uh, they could be like on a barge way offshore. Um, sure, they could be underground, which they happen to be underground, like literally underground. And I'm thinking, how could an organization have gone underground without anybody noticing? <laughs> you know, like there's a whole bunch of digging going that would be involved with mm-hmm. that. But anyway, uh, with the help of the Brotherhood of Steel, uh, I get some science and teleport in figure out how to do that so uh uh apparently my kid is now 60 years old and he is in charge of the place ha remember what i said about the game sort of challenging my choices because like i'm going in things like yeah we need to destroy this we Uh need to bring it down um so you know i also you know do some research you know like let out a network bug to go find things and whatnot uh after that i help the brotherhood make a really big robot which uh, appeared in the previous game, but is apparently in pieces, and I need to like find parts to rebuild it. Uh, so then, after you know, get the parts done for that, come back and uh, let's see. Apparently, that network scan had a DNA of like all these synthetics that escaped, okay, and that they're looking for. Uh, well. Uh, let's see there's like the leader of the original expedition like i got i was really nice friends with the guy like apparently we learned a lot of things off of each other you know during our travels and stuff well turns out he's one of these synths and the uh head guy is like yeah we need to go over there and kill him so i'm like yeah i'm not gonna do that (laughs) So he's your friend, but your friend who's the robot now. Well, used to be your friend, but not no more because he's the robot thing. Well, not really a robot. These things are indistinguishable from like a person. Like you wouldn't notice that mm-hmm. these are like synthetic people. So, uh, like I go there and I somehow convince them just to exile him and not kill him. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I'm not going back to the Brotherhood. Because there's this other organization called the Railroad that's like the underground railroad for these uh, synths to get to freedom and to like live a normal life with, you know, like free will and choice and all that. This is sounding like Doctor Who now. So uh, I work with them and uh, eventually I find out that, uh, you know, okay, we can get a, a, a kind of a big break going on here. We can rescue 13 of these synths at one time. And then go back to the railroad, they're like, okay, that's good, but it's going to be so big that if we do it, we're never going to be able to do this again. We need to get everyone out. So then, uh, you know, some, let's see, like someone needs to go hack something. So I need to like work with the, uh, how should I say, I need to sell my soul to the establishment for a little while uh, in order to not look suspicious while, you know, this hacking stuff gets done. And meanwhile, I found out that not only is my 
kid now 60 years old and in charge of the institute he has cancer and he's bequeathing this place to me okay again challenging my decisions so i'm like yeah um i'm still gonna blow this place up (laughs) so uh rescue happens everyone gets out uh press the button on like a tower far away watch the thing blow up and uh you know end game roll credits and the ending cinematic is extremely generic. It could probably be used for any ending. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like this Stanley Parable in that it has many endings or yes. possible endings? Yes, you essentially... So you could, like, through, you could play as Taker. <laughs> Sorry. And, like, take it over or whatnot. Yep. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh... <sighs> Well, it's 20 till yes, 9, so... We should get going and yes. uh, hop on there, and uh, I should make it through 4-Pit Tunnel in time. All right. Uh, bye, Fringe. Bye, Fringe. Actually, I'm going to look at AccuWeather.com really quick just to see what to expect. Last time I looked, it was supposed to be like 